The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Normally, in this part of the show, the opening sequence of the show is where I do some little banter, talk to you about a couple things, but I don't think we have time for that this week. There's too much stuff going on. This show is too jam-packed. We have amazing guests this week. We have news topics, the freaking Actors are on strike. It is madness. Let's just get things started. Zach Sloan, where are you? Help me with this madness. This is so insane. I'm wearing a suit, Ryan. You are wearing a suit. That's Three just, piece, is, baby. Is that what it takes to get you to dress up a labor dispute? So I was primarily a child abuse attorney, but I also did some labor law in my day. And I'll tell you what, this is fascinating. It is. I had to pop on long enough to let our radio audience know that he is wearing a three-piece suit with a t-shirt. I just, and? I had to let that out. <laughs> <laughs> and the Garth Algar ripped jeans I can't. to complete the look. You this, look great, Zach Sloan. Don't anyone tell you different. When I wear this suit in its entirety with a tie and everything and an actual shirt, this was actually my trial suit. This is what I would do closing arguments in. So uh-huh. um, That's how important today is to me, Ryan. It's basically closing arguments. So I, I want to talk to you about the the SAG after strike and get your perspective as a labor lawyer and as a performer and just as somebody who's seeing things in the world. Before we get to it, though, a couple quick housekeeping things I wanted to talk to you about. Um, first, uh, excited for our guest coming up in the second segment. We're going to be joined by Katie Hart and James Gross from the band Sunflower Fox and the Chicken Leg. You always like research the guests beforehand and you listen to their music. The moment I heard... Uh, their music, I was like, this is a Zach Sloan band right here. They use authentic instruments, not a lot of overproduced kind of technology stuff. They're doing the raw 70s rock sound, which I know is right up your alley. Two things I noticed about them instantly. A, any band from Minneapolis, I immediately listen because uh, I'm a Prince guy. Second, go. I was digging through their Instagram. I see a picture of a guitar player. I'm a guitar player. Low slung Les Paul. That's what I do with my guitar. Aerosmith t-shirt, and I was all in. Um, these guys are fantastic. They are a throwback rock band that hits just close to my heart. I'm thrilled to chat with these cats. And I am thrilled to chat with with the aforementioned cats as well. Uh, not just because of the music, and the music's enough of a reason to talk to them, but I'm also excited in particular to talk to Katie Hart of the band because I have heard through the grapevine, through her publicist, that she happens to be a rather avid fan of the simpsons and i i i'm not lying when i tell you We've, this is episode 384 of break the business i have been waiting forever to have a guest that i can talk the simpsons with my my very favorite television program i've been told she actually has a tattoo of pinchy the lobster which is just a delightfully obscure Simpsons reference that just tickles me in the right way. So I have to like, here's my struggle. Zach is like, I want to talk to her about the music and obviously it's great and get some advice for our indie creator listeners. But I kind of just want to ask her a bunch of Simpsons questions and I got to figure out how to strike that balance. I think what I want to do in the next segment when we do talk to them, Zach is I just want to like do a, a thing where we just alternate between Simpsons questions and questions about the music, just one back and forth, back and forth. And I think that'll satisfy everybody. I love it. And the easy bridge is always, where did the band Fallout Boy get their name? The Simpsons. And then boom, we're right back into rock and roll. Are you a Simpsons guy, Zach? I've never asked you about this. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, fabulous. All right, good. Old school Simpsons. I haven't watched it in 10 years. But that's what I mean by Simpsons fan. Whenever you ask like a Simpsons fan over the age of 30, if they're a Simpsons fan, you basically are just asking them if they like seasons one through 11. 
And then we, because like everything after that is a completely different show that just happens to also be the name, have the name The Simpsons. All right. So we we got that. um, And that's going to be pretty exciting. And oh, I also want to ask you real quick, just carrying off a conversation that we had last week with our co-host Gideon King, we were talking about artists getting stuff thrown at them. Bebe Rexa had stuff thrown at her at a concert. Harry Styles got a phone thrown at him recently. Uh, Pink had some lady's ashes thrown at her. This is like a plague uh, with artists yeah. at concerts now. It's a nightmare. And I'm wondering, have you ever, when you've played on stage, have you ever been pelted with something by an audience member? I've been hit with change. Um, like, I think it was like a nickel or something. Um, <laughs> a nickel? The odd beer bottle has made its way on stage. Never like directly at me, but close enough where it was not comfortable. Um Stuff like that. I can't think of anything as weird as ashes, though. Or um, a sex toy, which is what little was thrown at oh, Little Nas yeah. X. Dude, stop it, people! Stop it! Just <laughs> that's what I'm for saying. The love just, of God, just don't do it, people. All right. Um, we're gonna we're, yeah, we're excited to talk with uh, Katie and James of Sunflower Fox and the Chicken Leg. But first, I think we have to talk about the story that is just dominating independent creation right now and that is the sag aftra strike it is it's it's wild out there right now sack uh on july 14th uh i believe is the date that we are uh, we nailed down for this uh the 160,000 uh member group of sag aftra has uh gone on strike joining the 11,000 members of the wga it is the first time that both of these organizations have gone on strike at the same time, the actors and the writers, since the 1960s. It's been uh, an exceedingly long time. Uh, It has grinded the entertainment industry in California to to a halt. I read somewhere that the strike is uh, costing California's economy an estimated $30 million a day. Whoa. And it is a it's a it's a pretty pivotal moment, right? Last time we had a major labor dispute among creative professionals was the WGA strike about ten years ago, which was all about ten fifteen years ago. It was all about uh, this new thing that was coming called you know the internet and streaming and how we were going to adapt to that change in technology and make sure writers got paid. And now here we are in twenty twenty three. Streaming is like the principal means by which we all consume film and television now. And actors and writers are trying to figure out how they are going to get paid in this new world order. Oh, yeah. And by the way, we have this thing called AI. and We have to figure out uh, how we're not going to get replaced by machines as performers. And so there is now a massive strike to sort all of that out. And let me just open with this belief of mine, Zach. And, you know, interested in your thoughts on this as well, both as a performer and as a labor lawyer in your own right. Um, when it comes to labor disputes, certainly in the entertainment industry, but but really across pretty much every industry, I am inclined to just basically agree with labor unless I have a reason to believe otherwise. Whatever labor is demanding when somebody goes on strike, my first thought is they probably have a point because you know the thing that you have to understand about striking. And particularly with SAG after the WGA, striking is not plan A for SAG after. It is not the first thing that you try. Uh, you don't get to striking unless nothing else works and this is your last resort. Because for these people, for actors, for writers, for any person who's in labor, who's in organized labor, strikes hurt. Mm-hmm. strikes hurt and they hurt the people on strike a lot more in the short term than the employers and you know and you're talking about people you know like uh, I, I was listening to a radio show where one of the writers for the bear which is a you know, very very popular show on fx it's like the tv show that everybody's talking about now he's a writer on that show a hit show and can't pay his bills you know the little money this person has they are now going on strike to basically, and they're they're saying that as much as it sucks to make my income zero, which is what happens when you go on strike, it is the only thing is worse that is staying in the with the current state of affairs and screwing over my future. Like it is better to sacrifice now in the short term to try to get a better future in the long term. And so when I see SAG AFTRA go on strike, 
even though they know that it means they're not going to get any money, they're not going to get any money. They're going to be picketing every day, even as like the movie studios are are uh, trimming the trees so they can't even uh, uh, go to picket in the shade. And when it means that they are, you know, just they are risking the ire of the public, right? Because there's always going to be a segment of the population that's going to think that the actors and the writers are a holes for taking away their favorite TV shows. They're willing to sacrifice all of those things because they know it's the only way to get the future that they need. And so when I understand that that's where they're coming from, it makes me inclined to want to support labor. And not just because, again, I'm an artist side entertainment lawyer, so I kind of have to support them anyway. Well, so I want to when I did labor law, I, I a, did the bitsy bits stuff. I never did anything on this level. Um but I also worked primarily represent, not primarily, entirely representing the employers in these types of uh, situations. And I'll tell you, Ryan, nothing like representing companies makes me really feel for the strikers, like <laughs> <laughs> because everything you said is true. And what really reminded me of that of this week was, and there's a reason I didn't last very long in that field. Um, did you see the quote, and I forget who it's from, and I wish I would have prepared that, of, well, we'll just wait till October when these people lose their houses and their yeah. apartments. Then It was be an, unnamed, an unnamed uh, executive because and, they didn't and, want to put their name on that, basically saying the quiet part out loud that the way we're going to win this is yeah. by starving, literally starving the actors and the writers uh, you know, to death. And now you see why I've... I tend to side with the strikers in this situations. In these situations, it's a it's a horrible situation for them to be in. It is hard on them. It is hard on their family. But we can draw an analog to the uh, music industry, right? How many record recording artists wish they could go back and restructure that first deal so that it was better in the long haul, yeah. right? This is foresight, and I understand where they're coming from because if you have a bad deal now, it gets worse over time. So I, I see. I I feel for them. I see where they're coming from. Um, it's a rough spot all the way around, man. And the strikers are seeing what lie, what lies ahead. And they know that like we have, you know, we have this current contract, which gets us paid residuals when our stuff is played on television, for example, or in conventional movie theaters, but we're not seeing significant residuals from the way that people are consuming content now. And will be consuming even more in the future which is streaming and they see AI and they see movie studios saying, we want to be able to take an actor, basically get their likeness once and then be able to use that in AI forever. And the artists see how that can, the the actors are saying, well, that's going to be pretty untenable for us. So we put this up on the screen here for the viewers and listeners to kind of give you an idea of what the union is proposing. What are some of the things that they want? And this is just a a small clip because it's a much longer list of proposals, but these are the big ones, right? They need 2% of revenue from streaming and there are, there are are certain uh, metrics that they can use to dictate like how much, uh, revenue is applicable to each streaming show, right? Because it's that's hard to do with a streaming service because there's one streaming service, uh, one subscription fee, and a bunch of different shows you can watch. So how do you know what income is attributable to which show? They say, well, well, there are some metrics that we can use, and now and you know whatever income is attributable to that show, we want two percent of that revenue. Um, which you know when you consider how important actors are to any Dude, show seems, seems reasonable. Yeah, no, that's what I thought when I first because I think about like collective bargaining agreements between like the NBA and the NBA Players Association. Exactly what I thought. And like they split that revenue 50-50 and I know there's going to be a lot of reasons why this is 2% and NBA is 50%, but 2% doesn't seem unreasonable for me. The SAG-AFTRA is also asking for an 11% increase in pay next year followed by a 4% increase in year two and a 4% increase in year three. The producers, the AMPTP, is saying, well, we can give you a 5% increase. And one of the things that the actors is noting with that is, look, we need the 11% just to bring us back to where we were before, before inflation. Like, you know, the, you know, if we if we are getting only a 5% increase, we're effectively getting a pay cut. And so that's why they're uh, asking for the 11% there. They want you know, informed consent from the union before the producers are, you know, use actors to train AI. Uh, They want acknowledgement that when, you know, for mocap or performance capture, like you saw in Avatar, uh, they want acknowledgement that that's a union protected activity that's protected by SAG-AFTRA. And they just want additional protections for audition fairness. Uh, You know, 
audition fairness, additional rest periods, health and retirement benefits, things like that. All in all, again, fundam- I, I, I imagine, I believe these things to be fundamentally reasonable, if for no other reason that the artists, the, the, they would not be striking for these things if they did not need them, because this is a last resort and this hurts, and they're going up against a management that, you know, can outlast them for a long time, right? They have infinity dollars in their bank account, and these artists are living paycheck to paycheck, and they're living hand to mouth, and so they wouldn't do this if this wasn't something that they sorely needed. Now, a lot of you out there uh, might be asking yourself, what can be done to support the actors, the writers, and other creative professionals who are impacted by the strikes? And Uh, We've and thankfully, a lot of the unionized labor has made a lot of statements on social media, Zach, talking about like, what are some of the things that we can do to help? What are some of the things that we shouldn't do? For example, uh, they've said, don't boycott streaming services. Don't boycott movies, which I thought was like, oh, that's interesting. I thought like I, I figured that'd be the first thing that like, oh, my God, if I watch Netflix, am I being a scab? And it turns out, no, they no. Have said, no, go watch, watch the streaming services, watch the movies, let Hollywood know that there's a market for our art. And, um, and so that, that's not the move. Don't boycott. But what they have said to do is to donate to an organization called the Entertainment Community Fund. Uh, a lot of actors and writers and folks I've talked to have mentioned this organization. They specifically said this is the place that you should donate to. They're supporting the actors, but they're also supporting a lot of other groups that are being impacted by the strike. And so I was like, all right, I keep hearing this this name a lot, Zach. So I figure we should talk to somebody who might know a thing or two about this organization and um, teach us more about how we can support these professionals. We're joined now by Keith McNutt. He is the director of the Western Region for the Entertainment Community Fund. It is an organization that provides financial assistance for performers and other industry professionals that are affected by the work stoppage. Keith, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm great. Thank you for having me. We are thrilled to be chatting with you. Um, I can. I feel like you must be squeezing us in between two very busy things that you're doing right now. I imagine you all are. You are working around the clock right now. It's supposed to be a crazy time for you. How is your organization doing right now? Uh, well, thanks for asking. You know, the the good news about us, I guess, is that we are so used to. We've been doing crisis work for decades, literally. Um, I started 25 years ago as a social worker in our AIDS program. And um, that was 10 years of crisis. And um, through Hurricane Katrina and 9-11 and the fires out here and earthquakes, um, labor management conflicts are, are as much a part of the fabric of this industry as all those other crisis periods. So we look at it as people are out of work and we need to do whatever we can to step up and uh, be there for them and help them get through the crisis um, in a healthy way. So, and what does that what does that look like in practice? Like when when you get these donation dollars, how are you using it to support entertainment industry professionals? Well, we uh, for us we bring in other team members into the grant process, for example. So, you know, we provide a whole range of services, social services. Um, emotional support, career counseling, health insurance. But when these sorts of crises come, the big thing that people come to us for is emergency financial assistance. And that's based on need. And, um, you know, particularly in this circumstance, we're coming out of this three-year pandemic when people haven't been able to build up their savings. So we've seen a tremendous increase right away uh, um, which doesn't typically happen in situations like this. Usually it sort of grows over time as a crisis unfolds. But right away in the first month of um, the writer's strike, uh, just to give you a, a, a black and white number, we for the six months before uh, May of this year, we were averaging about 200 people a month that we were helping um, in the LA office. And in May, we got 625 people calling us. Oh, gosh. And so that tripling of the volume is really what we're focused on managing right now so we can keep up and get everybody the assistance they need in a, in a timely way. 
And for the performers out there who are impacted by the work stoppage right now and are listening to what you're saying, can you walk them through the process for what they do if they need help? What does that look like? Yeah, they can come right to our website, entertainmentcommunity.org. There's a little pop-up box that um, comes up right when you enter the web page. And you click on that, and it follows you through the application process. Uh, It is taking us about a week right now to get through um, the applications. Uh, In normal times, it takes us about 48 hours to turn those around. But... um, but that's where we are, and um, we're bringing on a few more extra people to help because we're assuming that um, the volume is going to grow uh, further with the SAG after strike happening. And what can people do to support the organization? Just go to that website, and there's, I assume there's donation resources there? There's donation resources, um, so we welcome uh, anybody who wants to help, and if they specifically want to help people out here, uh, affected by the work stoppage. There's a drop-down list that um, says they want to focus their assistance for film and television people, and that's where they where they make the donation. Um, and the application process is pretty straightforward. There's uh, information laid out on the site. You basically have to um, demonstrate financial need and um, your work history in the industry, um, and then we process the grants and get them out to people for basic living expenses. Keith, thank you. And thank you. Thanks to your organization for all that you do. I imagine the coming weeks, perhaps months ahead, are going to be very, very busy for you all. I hope that all the folks within the sound of our voices and who can see us on live stream uh, support this organization and support these creators. Um, This is, you know, people in this line of work have given us so much. I think about the pandemic and and how much uh, we benefited from being able just to watch streaming all the time and have that distraction and just the value that these people bring to our lives every day. Now is the time for us to give back and uh, help these folks uh, in this time of need. So check out entertainmentcommunity.org and let's provide some support for this organization. Keith, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you so much for helping us get the word out. Uh, We really appreciate it and um, look forward to continuing to help the community. Thanks very much. Keith McNutt of the Entertainment Community Fund, everybody. Gosh, and this is what worries me, Zach, is I I really have the sense with this strike that this is going to get worse before it gets better. Nothing about this suggests to me a quick resolution. Oh, absolutely. I think that this is going to get nasty. Um in fact, I've been following, if you haven't followed on social media, Adam Conover, who was from Adam Ruins Everything and does his own YouTube content, He, basically, I think he's posting almost daily from the picket line and talking about things. And one of the things he talked about in the past couple of days was the importance of this organization. And don't boycott, you know, donate money, um, donate time, share the message. Those things are something that he really talked about. So, But yeah, Ryan, I, I think this is going to get nastier. Yeah, we want to keep covering this for the subsequent weeks. I think this is very, very important. I think this is, in no uncertain terms, a battle for the soul of the industry and what role creative professionals are going to play in it and to what extent we are going to allow creative professionals to benefit from and be adequately compensated by this technological revolution we are seeing in entertainment. And uh, it's it's going to be wild. And I uh, we got to give this some thought that Zach, I feel like every time we have you on, I propose like things we have to do and then they never get done because we just get distracted by something else. But I feel like we need to do something with the entertainment community fund, like some kind of fundraiser or something like we did with sweet relief and our telethon a few years back. This isn't is, you know, much how the creators needed us back then, uh, during COVID and we raised money for that, uh, you know, creators certainly need us here now. So I think, you know, we got to talk to our friends at the Entertainment Community Fund and see if there's some way we our show can work with them and, and get them some cash. You know, and I, as I recall, the last time I did a fundraiser with you, you were in a chicken suit at one point and got pied. Am I remembering this correctly? All, all accurate, yes. I do believe yes. it was a hot dog. Was it a hot dog suit? <laughs> he was in a hot dog costume, yes. It was, it was, a, we do it was have important clarification. Well, Thank you, Producer but, Lauren. You know. Hey, yes. I keep these so, details in check. Details. I just want to say, uh, sign me up. I'm down. I'm telling you, there is no shortage of stupid costumes that I am willing to wear. And that I means, own. And that, and that <laughs> producer, Lauren, has in a warehouse somewhere. 
uh, to get uh, these uh, striking actors the resources they need to weather this out and get the working conditions that they deserve. Let's do it. Before, before we go to break, Zach and Lauren, um, I want to do our AI Overlord Tip of the Week. Yes. Those brave striking actors are preventing AI from taking over their industry, but unfortunately, the AI overlord has already started to take over whole chunks of this show, uh, much to the pleasure of our viewers and listeners who enjoy this segment way too much. Um, we asked our AI overlord, ChadGPT, to give us a tip for indie creators, and I have been inspired lately in terms of the tip I wanted the AI overlord to give by something I've been doing a lot with my one-year-old baby, Nathan, which is reading to him a lot lately. We've been uh, reading him all sorts of little baby books, having a grand old time, and now we are on a kick of uh, reading book after book of what, of one of my favorite... Now, I was going to say one of my favorite children's books authors, but I'm going to say one of my favorite authors, period, Eric Carle. Love Eric Carle. Yeah. Planet. Um, the dude is a genius and let me tell you, my kid who I can't get to pay attention to anything for more than like three or four seconds is obsessed with this very hungry caterpillar. Uh, he'll read like he'll, he opens the, like, I don't know what it is about like the animations or the illustrations in Eric Carl books, but babies just love them. Like, like yes. my kid just stares at that caterpillar all day and just has a grand old time. I, I assume when you when your little one was a little one, like Eric Carl was still a a, a a fixture. I assume. Oh, my kid's almost two and still a fixture. I mean, I re I remember distinctly in first grade, our my first grade teacher going through Eric Carl books with us. Um, they are fabulous. The, the the dude genius genius level. How did you get this into the tip of the week? <laughs> That's a very good question. So I asked our overlord ChatGPT to give us a tip of the week. In the style of an Eric Carl book. So um, we'll do a little story time here. Um, specifically a tribute to this beautiful book here, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Oh, God. Hello, creative butterflies. Welcome to this week's tip of the week. Today, we're spinning a tale inspired by the legendary children's book author, Eric Carl. So let's jump right into our vibrant story titled The Very Creative Indie Creator. Our little caterpillar, not unlike you indie creators, brims with ideas and dreams. On Monday, it finds a giant leaf of uncertainty. It chews slowly, turning that leaf of fear into a leaf of possibility. Indie creators, when you encounter uncertainty, take small steps, confront it, and turn it into opportunities. On Tuesday, our caterpillar stumbles onto a rough bark of critique. It navigates the harshness with grace, turning the bark into a path of improvement. For you indie creators, take criticism in your stride. Use it as a goal for a tool for growth and refinement. On Wednesday, the caterpillar discovers a vivid flower of opportunities. It savors the nectar, each sip bursting with inspiration for its transformation. As indie creators, let life's opportunities infuse you with inspiration. Feed off various experiences to spark creativity in your heart. Thursday calls for rests. Rest. Our caterpillar, after tackling uncertainties and critiques and savoring opportunities, takes a breather. It's time to process, to reflect, to recharge. Remember, indie creators, the importance of rest. Maintain your creative energy by striking a balance between work and rejuvenation. Finally, on a beautiful Friday, after its enriching journey, our caterpillar emerges as a unique, vibrant butterfly, ready to spread its artistic wings. Indie creators, like our caterpillar, embrace your journey, its challenges, and its lessons. Use them to springboard, to rise and transform the world with your art. That's your tip of the week, folks. Until next time, continue to create, continue to dream, and most importantly, continue to transform amazing just 
A tearjerker if I've ever heard one. A story. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> so what I also love about these Eric Carl books, and this is a this is a advancement from when I was reading these and when you were reading these as a little kid, Zach, is now they come with Spanish translations. So all yeah. the Eric Carl books these days are bilingual. So not only am I reading The Very Hungry Caterpillar to my son, but he's also reading La Oruga Muy Hambrienta, which is uh, an absolute delight. I I love his books, and I'm glad he was able to share some advice uh, with our viewers and listeners. Uh, <laughs> what did Daniel Neruda say there? I'm looking forward to the end of season reveal that Ryan Carell has actually been writing these on his own the whole time. Well... Uh, I can tell you, Ryan does uh, does a great deal of editing on these. I'll let you peek behind the curtain. Because <laughs> sometimes the AI overlord uh, doesn't turn in a particularly strong first graph, draft. So, shh, Ryan sometimes has to fix them a little bit. But we like to joke and say it's all the AI. All right. Um, let's bring in something that is fully and completely authentic. Our guest, uh, Katie and James from... Uh, Sunflower Fox and the Chicken Leg. They're coming up right after the break here. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. Ryan Corelli here with Zach Sloan, just having a grand old time uh, hanging out with one of my favorite humans here, Zach. Uh, how have you been, my friend? I, 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 as much as I enjoy all the different co-hosts we have here with Break the Business, including our our brand new co-host Gideon King, who is awesome. I regret that I don't get to see everybody more often. Like I, I miss you, man. I, I miss hanging with you. It's always a, it's always like legitimately fun when my time rolls around just to even hang out with you and super producer Lauren and meet the cool guests that we always seem to have. Like it's a good time. And also, you know, we can sort of spitball and go through fatherhood together, which is always fun. It is exciting to have, to share this journey with you and to have Eric Carl joining us every step of the way. Let's go ahead and bring out uh, our excellent guests that Zach aforementioned there. They are members of Minneapolis-based band Sunflower Fox and the Chicken Leg. The band's 70s arena rock sound can be heard on their latest single, Naughty Little Girl, that came out earlier this year. And you can find out more about our guest's work by visiting www.sunfoxband.com. We are happy to welcome Katie Hart and James Gross from Sunflower Fox and the Chicken Leg here on Break the Business. Hello to you both. Hi. Um, okay, I have to know just out the gate, where the hell did that name come from? <laughs> yes, please. Because I can't get through it without giggling at least twice and like tripping over one of the words. Like what? Like I thought for at first that you guys were a duo, like one of you is Sunflower Fox and then one of you is the chicken leg. 
I mean, it'd be a great name for like a you know morning zoo uh, radio yeah, show no in the kidding. Midwest, like Sunflower Fox and the Chicken Leg here on ninety point five. Where did this band name come from, dude? It was such a ridiculous situation. We were riding in our drummer's basement, and uh, and I just kept rattling off names of like. Because, you know, the 70s, there's a lot of, like, nature analogies and things. So I was trying to think of that. And then every time I came up with something, he kept going. And the chicken leg. Every single time. He kept going, and the chicken leg, and the chicken leg, and the chicken leg. I'm like, please. So finally, we ended up with Sunflower Fox and the chicken leg. And I was like, fine. That's what it is. (laughs) So James was just pitching the chicken leg all night. All night. All night. <laughs> until, some, until he was going to get... And you probably felt so good because you were like, oh my God, I have the best name for a band. Yeah. Sunflower Fox. We yes. got it. He's just like, yes. and the chicken, and chicken leg. leg. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he was getting that in uh, no matter what. Uh, and, and we're all better people for it. Thank you, James, right. for your persistence yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> before, we, before the show, Katie and James, I was talking with my co-host here, Zach Sloan, about something that he really appreciates about your band. Uh, uh, Zach, uh, if you don't know, he's a music producer, and he's, he's a very kind of authentic sort of producer. I mean, I'll, I'll let him talk a little bit about like his approach to producing and just like what it means to him that you guys are kind of like have a similar sort of production value. I, you know, I remember back when there was um, MTV two used to play rock videos at night. You guys remember that? Oh yeah. And yeah. I remember like when I realized that MTV two played the videos that MTV wouldn't anymore for me, <laughs> that was like a revelation in my teenage years. And whenever I find a band like you guys, it's very a similar experience for me. Like when I was combing through your Instagram and I saw the Les Pauls and the Aerosmith shirts. You're from Minneapolis. I'm a huge Prince fan. I listen to the songs and they are groovy and you have guitar riffs and you have actual instruments and you have a singer who can kill. You, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's amazing. And I love hearing just rock bands who just embrace being a rock band. How did you guys come? Like, was that a conscious decision? Were you trying to dodge the pop thing or is that just who you are? No, I think we just. Uh... We decided to kind of write, and we we were talking. We all been we all been studio players for years, and we're all like, "Man, it's just all we do is overdubs these days." And it seems like you know you're not you don't get to play off of people. And then the pandemic hit, and we were all just sitting alone, and and we decided to just start writing stuff, and and started looking around to see if there were any studios that would let us in during that time. And Pachyderm's kind of in our backyard, and and went in there and just played three songs as a rock band, and and just loved. It. How that went? Yeah. So and, uh, yeah, uh, go ahead, Zach. So you were were you all session musicians, like the entire band, and you all pulled together, or how did? That yeah, work? we're kind of all session musicians and jobbers, you know, and 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 we've been doing a lot of a lot of the jobbing thing in the cover world, and and we didn't have anything to do, and realized, <laughs> you know, man, we've been doing this for twenty years, <laughs> and you know, and. I started looking at, I have a studio and started looking through my hard drive and was like, man, I got 40 songs I've never finished. And then that just kind of inspired us. And instead of taking old stuff, we just wanted to collaborate and see, you know, let's write together as a full band and and see what happens. Yeah. And the the 70s thing comes from, it's just, I think when it was that era, it was just so raw and unperfected. And now everything is just, it's so perfect. It's so gritted. I mean, we do it all the time. Like we do it as a day job and, you know, we go in and we make everything perfect and it's auto-tuned and it's, it's perfect in time and everything. But when we record for this band, we said right off the bat, the only person that has a click is the drummer. Um, and then we're going to record all together. We're going to do it live. Whoa. So, um, all in the room at the same time. All in the room. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, so we will only do overdubs if we absolutely have to. And then, of course, on, like, you know, solos and, and vocals because, I mean, it just bleeds onto my mic like crazy, so you can't hear anything. But, yeah, yep, everything's live. Gosh, I dig that a lot. Let's talk about your new single or newish, newest single, Naughty Little Girl, um, mm-hmm. which has a, a really powerful message and something we – like to talk about on this show a lot, which is just, you know, the message of empowering women in the music industry. Can you talk a little bit about how that song came together and what it's about? Yeah. Uh, you know, 
and I won't name any names here, but you know, like we all have to deal with kind of sleazy agents and sleazy producers and just people that aren't cool at, at you know, at one time or another. And, and that you can name happened. one name. We'll let you name one. It's <laughs> no. just, just between you, me and the 33 million Sirius XM subscribers, just one person <laughs> all, on blast. All I don't, say, say don't say my name. Anytime like a Minneapolis person listens to this, they know exactly who we're talking about. So, uh, so, um, you know, it's funny because when they're creepy to the girls, they tend to be not so nice to the guys. Like they're just jerks anyway. So it was, it was kind of fun to write a song about like, you know, if I had a lot of money and could get away with stabbing somebody in the eye with, you know, a knife i mean that'd be cool it's not gonna happen and you know with your simpsons reference it's super funny because i try like crazy to try and sneak really deep cut simpsons references every now and then into these lyrics and i kept trying to find a way to sneak in the phrase like hitting him with a bag of knobs and i don't know if you guys get that reference <laughs> at all but i was like that is really clunky that sounds terrible so <laughs> could you swing knobs. a stack of doorknobs? Can yeah. I? Yeah, you have to supply your own knobs. So anyway, so yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. We're, we're gonna we gotta talk about Simpsons. Try, like, look, look, we can all agree. Okay, look, your band's yep. great, the music's awesome. Everybody needs to go to sunfoxband.com and just download the crap out of your music and make you guys world famous. Agreed, agreed. All right, Done. let's talk about the Simpsons. I, I, I've been waiting for 384 episodes to find guests yeah. that love this show as much as Zach and I do. This is uh, glorious. So first of all, I have heard through your publicist yeah. that your Simpsons fandom, Katie, is so pronounced that you have a tattoo yeah. of Pinchy the Lobster. Oh, Let's Can we get that? Oh, oh, uh, ah! oh my God. Yeah, he's, which got is, little, he's got the little leash and everything. Oh, my God, which is a yeah. delight. So for the non-Simpsons fans, there was an episode of The Simpsons where uh, Homer had the brilliant idea of buying, like, a really tiny lobster at the grocery store for, like, a very low price. And then he was going to, like, take the lobster home as a pet and fatten it up. And then, as <laughs> Homer noted, he was going to eat the profits. And uh, somewhere along the way, Homer falls in love with the lobster. <laughs> And like develops an attachment to it and can't uh, eat him even when he's like this giant lobster that's like attacking his family. And I love that, Katie, you have uh, immortalized your love of The Simpsons in the form of a uh, Pinchy the Lobster tattoo. Here's what I would like to do, okay? Because as much as I want to just talk to you about The Simpsons until this episode is over and until like the heat death of the universe... That I don't be a think other episode, man. That I'm, let's do it. Like, I don't even know who we have booked next week. We'll just bring you back. Um, but I know that's probably not fair to you, and you, it'll probably make your publicist mad. So here's what I want to do. Okay, I'm gonna do this rapid fire. Okay. I have a list of Simpsons questions. Oh. Uh, um, just you know, getting your thoughts about the Simpsons, Great. and then a list of like advice questions for the musician viewers and listeners to help them become uh better versions of themselves right and so we're going to alternate yeah. simpsons and advice questions <laughs> rapid fire back and forth we'll put some like really cheesy music imaging behind it and so um does does that all work for you does that make yeah. sense we're we yeah. good to go here all right so yep. you know we want to kind of do these fast paced all right yeah. So let's see. Do we what? What music do we have for this? Oh, oh okay. Go. All right, that'll work. Yes, yes. All right, here we go. Rapid fire questions. First one: uh, What is your favorite musician or music group that has appeared on The Simpsons? Uh, uh oh, Final Tap. Yep. Oh, hang on. Let me turn that music down. It is loud as hell. <laughs> this worked <laughs> a lot better in my head. But I'm gonna tell you, Spinal Tap is a great answer. Yeah. It's a dark yep. horse, but I think it's I think it's the correct answer. I mean, there's the so answer. many to choose from, right? Yeah. Like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, it's Aerosmith. a Aerosmith. Yeah, a lot yeah. of great ones there. Yeah. Okay, uh, it, what advice do you have for band members who want to resolve disputes with their band? How do you resolve disputes in your band? Uh, we haven't had any really. Dude, we don't fight at we, all. We We've been together for three years. Yeah. <laughs> and we've actually. Uh, we actually, the last time we were down in Louisiana at a studio in the country, 
we were there for a week and drove 17 or 18 hours to get there back and forth and we're like man the five of us haven't fought once <laughs> <laughs> let me turn this like i want to do it with the music but it's like so loud in my headphones i can't hear your answers um <laughs> So you have like no advice. You guys just never ever fight ever. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't yeah. but yeah. I would just recommend to think about the goal and not the personal yeah. gripe. Like we we're literally talking about that before we came on. Right on. I like that. Yeah, never don't lose sight guy. of the big goal. Yeah. All right. Your favorite Simpsons character that is not featured on the show regularly. Oh my god, is that even possible? Oh, I know. Uh I'm picking that between little, my uh, children. The little mini crusty that dances around with a little squeeze box. <laughs> you know what I'm about? Oh, are going That's super obscure. Oh, I thought well, I thought we were just gonna get like a bumblebee man or something. No. no. <laughs> I mean if we're gonna do this, let's do it, man. The tiny crusty that plays the accordion. Wow. Yeah. Outstanding. That's for nickels. <laughs> Name, <laughs> That's what his name is, Dancing Pete. He dances for nickels. Oh, God. That's amusing for like two people listening right now, but they're having a great time. And both of you love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Katie, your best home remedies as a vocalist for helping you when you have vocal problems? Steam, steam, and only steam. Just use steam. Just use steam. Okay. Oh, how, like in in what way? Like, are you like a steam machine, or are you just like turning on a hot uh, shower? Yeah. So you can use a hot shower. You can like shove a towel underneath the door so that you, it's like kind of like a poor man's steam room. But then also just like get like a small like Vicks. Like you want the warm steam, um, and you're breathing that in like consistently. And I can't remember the the ratio, but about twenty minutes of steam is going to give you roughly an hour of phonation. That's not <laughs> I really. Love that. <laughs> uh, well, we we lost our music because that's just the kind of production value we have around here. But we'll keep going. Um, the Simpsons quote that you randomly say all the time. Oh, I uh, just got to put on my shoes. <laughs> just got to put my shoes. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh my god, I love that. Yeah, that's I just like I'm, I'm already imagining like Homer in his underwear, like playing yeah. with the uh, with the RC cars or whatever. Yeah. Um, Zach, do you have one as well? I know. I mean, there's there's so many that are just like flying through my head right now. I, I hit the don't all the yeah, time. All like, <laughs> all absolutely. The time. Um, you know, also except what you don't win friends with salad. That's a, that, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> all right. Um, advice for getting invited back when you play at a venue. Uh, just treating everybody nice, you know, and, and giving shout outs to, you know, to the bar staff and the sound guys and, and, and everybody. You know, it's kind of back behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I do handwritten thank you cards, too. Whoa. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like being nice is goes really far. I mean, we're from Minnesota, like in the Midwest. So like that's just like bred into us from when we're children. But I mean, you know, being nice goes a really long way. I'd much rather work with somebody who is not as talented, but who's super nice than somebody who's really talented, who's a jerk face. <laughs> and I I love the the lost art of the handwritten thank you note. Of course, the band that embraces seventies rock and doesn't want any technology in their recording studio is going to do handwritten thank you notes. I used to be like the biggest advocate for handwritten thank you notes. I've fallen off a bit since COVID because like not not I mean not not epidemi not for epidemiological reasons but just for the simple matter that like nobody's in the office anymore right like all the yeah. all the lawyers and and musicians or executives that I used to write stuff to like all work remotely and like I don't have their home addresses but right. I I think for venues a thank you note after you play a show makes a lot of sense that is a great little nugget there mm -hmm. now finally and I know this is not a fair question if you even have to give me multiple answers that's fine but what Katie is your favorite Simpsons episode of and all you're time? gonna ask this uh Krusty she came prepared. is one of them that's a great uh one. with the ventriloquist doll and then uh and then the pinchy episode is like one of my most favorite episodes as well um those those two are like some of my highest those are the big ones I love uh, those ones yeah a viewer writes in pinchy would have wanted it that way <laughs> Oh my god. Um both are absolute bangers. Uh Zach, what's your favorite one? Have you this is a I mean a relatively new one compared to what we've talked about, but the one where they redo nineteen eighty four, 
makes me so freaking happy every oh, time yeah. I see it. Oh my I god, I love that one. Wow, you're going new. Like you have to understand, Zach. When we're saying The Simpsons, we're really talking about like everything up to like 1997. No, and that's <laughs> usually what I go for. And but that's one of the few new episodes that I saw and I just really enjoyed because it was just so funny with Bart figuring out where all the cameras were by mooning them. Like that was just oh, the best way to that do is it. That's a good one. <laughs> that I, one. I love okay. That. I normally don't give love to the new Simpsons episodes, but that one was pretty funny. And 1984 um, is one of my favorite books. So yeah, that that was yeah. great. Um, gosh, yeah, I like. Uh, <laughs> I, I I still like. I mean, I don't know what the formal title, but the one where where oh, yeah, I think it's called Homer's Barbershop Quartet. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Where it's just you know the, the B sharps. B sharps. Um, I I love. I I just adore it. Like I just like the because it's like the Beatles parallels are hilarious and you know just oh my god it's great. Um, <laughs> just, just an amazing show. I am I, I'm telling you Zach. I've been waiting forever for a guest to talk Simpsons with, and like this is just it's bringing so much joy to my face. I didn't think I could be happy in the face of this like horrific labor dispute that's going on with all of my clients, but this is just bringing me so much joy. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, James, for allowing us to have this moment with you. Yeah, and what uh, we do. even we more important, <laughs> thanks for the records. You guys are making great music. Mm-hmm. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's so, been pretty. Uh, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was gonna say, like, because I, I, I hate asking bands this, like, when I know the album's in progress. But like, what, what, when, when is the? I know there's like an album coming, right? Like, do we roughly know when yeah. we will get more of your music? Yeah, right now we're we're just talking with pressing plants. We're gonna release it on vinyl first, and we're just continuing to release the singles every six to eight weeks. We actually have the album done, and we actually have our second album being mixed right now. So oh. even though we haven't put it out, and we're starting to write the third one. Oh wow! Yep. So, Super productive. I love it. it. Flowing really fast. Yeah, and you and can find been- out more by visiting sunfoxband.com and just uh, this is definitely a band you're going to want to keep close to your heart. Uh, there's a lot of great music coming your way. Before we let you go, Katie and James, I want to ask each of you our final question. We'll start with Katie. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Oh my gosh. Uh- Lots of spreadsheets. <laughs> Keep track of everything. I mean, being extremely organized. I mean, we have entire Google folders, um, Google Drive folders, spreadsheets, everything as to where every single is at, where every release is at, who's talking to what producer, who's talking to what engineer, you know, where our budget's at. I mean, we've got full P&Ls going all the time. Um, so that we know exactly where everything's going so that, you know, when you get to the end of the year, you're not looking at your bank accounts being like, oh my God, where'd all the money go? You know? So being extremely organized, I think is like the best way, like you treat your band like a business, even though it's, it's creative, it's still a business. So I'm just making quick notes here. We got spreadsheets and thank you notes. (laughs) The secret to Sunflower Fox and the uh, Chicken Lake success. Mine would be, um... Oh, take chances. Don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. There's not a lot of gatekeepers anymore. Nope. And and you can, a no doesn't mean you're not good. It just means they're not willing to help. And, you know, that's kind of when we found Ron Nevison, that was, I found him online and I just sent him an email out of the blue saying, this is, this is a guy that worked with Zeppelin and the who, (laughs) and he might work with us. And we got to fly out a, a couple months ago, about a month and a half ago. We got to spend a few days with him out in Portland and, and uh, we just never would have imagined that, you know, two, three years ago. Gosh, I dig this. Yeah. Katie, James, thank you so much for hanging out with us and for tolerating our silliness for the last <laughs> Absolutely. Dude, thank, thank you, man. <laughs> it's It's been an absolute blast. Please stay in touch. Uh, don't be a stranger. Yeah. We'd love to have you on again real soon. We want to keep track of what you all are doing because this has just been fantastic. Awesome. Thank for sure. So thank you. All right, that is uh, Katie and James, everybody, from Sunflower Fox and the Chicken Leg. Boy, was that a blast, huh, Zach? Dude, I, I love rock bands like that. Like, get, Just put that stuff straight into my into my uh, playlists. Love these guys. Um, really looking forward to like diving deep through their entire catalog, especially since they have two albums and change in the can. That's wild. Oh, gosh. I, I'm so, so excited. Yeah, because I, I really, I've just, I've been wearing out... Uh, the, the the song that they have out now on uh, naughty little girl and we need we need more stuff just like that because they are they are terrific so 
Um, oh, I should mention our guest next week. This is another fantastic guest we have coming up. Singer, songwriter, and TikTok sensation Emily Moore is going to be joining us. I'm really looking forward to chatting with her. She's tremendous and doing some great yeah. stuff on TikTok. Um, but with the time we have left, this is something that I have been putting off for like four weeks now, I think, because we've never had time for it. But now we have about five minutes before we lose radio, so I think we can squeeze this in. Producer Lauren, you have a listener question for us, right? I do, and I did promise our listener that we would get back to it, so we, we do uh, stand by that. If you guys have questions, it might not get answered live during that show, but we do listen, and please send us your questions. <laughs> so this I'll... question came in from H2O Happy Dude. It says, Ryan, as a Twitch streamer, I keep hearing about turning your profile into an LLC, What's the difference between copyright and making an LLC? Also, what steps go into making a business into an LLC? Sorry for the wall of text. <laughs> I feel like this listener's a little lost and could really use and your help here. Boy, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> thinking I could answer this question in five minutes. In one episode. Oh, let me let matter. me let me stretch a little bit here. Uh, you know, Zach, you might be able to uh, help with this as well. Okay, so I think the first thing I see here that I think is worth noticing is identifying the difference between what a copyright is and what an LLC is, right? A copyright is a legal protection for any work of art or authorship, whether you are writing a book, making a podcast, drawing a picture, recording an album, writing a song, those are all works of authorship that you can uh, protect with a copyright. The moment you create any of those works, you have a copyright in those works, which gives you the exclusive right to make copies, to make derivative works, such as you know when you uh, write a song and make it into an album, or you write a book and then make it into a movie. Um, you have the exclusive right to distribute that work, sell that work, uh, publicly perform that work or display that work. And if somebody else wants to do those things, they need to get your permission and you can then, uh, you know, exchange that permission for some compensation. And that's a copyright. Now, an LLC is one type of way that you can form a company through which you run your operations. A lot of my artist clients use LLCs as sort of their first business structure. It is a separate legal identity from you as a person. You run all your operations out of that LLC. You, uh, you know, you, your LLC makes the profits. Your LLC incurs the losses, whatever your profits are, then go to your personal income taxes at the end of the year. But one of the things that an LLC gives you is those first two L's in the LLC, limited liability, which is the ability to uh, make it where so your debts that the LLC incurs are not imputed to you personally uh, in many cases. And so uh, if your LLC uh, gets into some legal trouble or incurs some debt, you may personally be able to protect your own assets from the activities of your LLC. And that's why it can be important to have those business structures. If you're going to set up an LLC, Talk to a lawyer first. There are some. There are certain reasons might why you might want to set up an LLC. There might be reasons why you want to set up a different business structure, such as a corporation. A lawyer can help you walk through those things. Same thing with a copyright. Talk to a lawyer first about registering your copyrights and why that is important. Um, I think I did that in about three minutes. Do you think I'm missing anything there, Zach? No, I think the biggest thing is to know the distinction that that a copyright is a protection for your work, whereas an LLC is a framework for your business and get a lawyer to help you set up both of those. I agree yeah. with both of those. The piece I will ask Ryan to clarify a bit here is why, if I'm just a Twitch streamer, why should I have an LLC? Why is that a business? Why would it be beneficial to me to start a company if I'm a Twitch streamer? Well, I would, uh, I mean, and it depends on kind of what level of Twitch streamer you are. If you are a, a Twitch hobbyist, you know, you're not making a lot of money off your channel. You're just doing this for fun. It probably doesn't make a lot of sense to run things through an LLC. But there are a lot of Twitch streamers who have very sophisticated operations. For example, they have a lot of people watching their stream. And so maybe they're doing advertisements, they're doing brand deals, maybe they're selling merchandise on the side, maybe they're creating other projects and products outside of their streaming. And so the more activities that you're doing, the more diversified your portfolio, the more complex your activities, 
the more that it might be, in, and, and perhaps you're hiring other employees, and you're Ooh. you know you have other things going on, the more intricate and complicated your business gets, the more that you might want that limited liability protection. Certainly, if you have other people who are working for you, right? Because now you're going to want that limited liability. If one of your employees does something that gets your company sued, you want to make sure that your personal assets are protected from the dumb thing your employee does. And having an LLC can give you that protection. So basically, if you're Twitch streaming for fun, keep it fun. And if you're looking at it as a business or something you consider to be work for you, uh, it would be beneficial to set it up in a structure that made it into an actual business so that you weren't uh, running a business as though you were playing. A reasonable, generalized hypothetical for your specific legal situation. Please talk to a lawyer. This is not legal advice. <laughs> Our thanks to, gosh, so many people to thank this week. Our thanks to Katie Hart and James Gross from Sunflower Fox and the Chicken Leg. Our thanks to Keith McNutt from the Entertainment Community Fund for joining us. Uh, thanks to you, Zach Sloan, as always. Thanks to producer Lauren. Thanks to all of you viewers and listeners for just continuing to support our program. Thank you very, very much. Thanks for checking out Break the Business. We'll see you next week.